Hello, Camp Firewood. Hello. Thank you for having me. You know, uh, I went to sleepaway camp so long ago that it was the Stone Age. <laughs> no, but seriously, it wasn't the Stone Age. It was the Ice Age. No, no, it was the Stone Age. When I was at camp, my favorite activity was always arts and crafts. Or as we used to call it, arts and farts and crafts. <laughs> we used to make drawings. Cave drawing, which is my way of saying we were cavemen. I went to camp so long ago that I can remember saying sticks and stones may break my bones and meaning it. That was the brilliant Michael Showalter as Borscht Belt style comic Alan Schemper in Wet Hot American Summer. One of my favorite movies, perhaps one of yours as well. So if you live in the Los Angeles area or will be there on December 13th, we will be doing a live kibitz show from the world-famous kibitz room at Cantor's Deli, and guests will include, yes, you guessed it, Michael Showalter. Building on our History of the Catskills episode, this will be a, a night at the Catskills, a, a Catskills kibitz, if you will. And Michael's not only an expert on the Catskills, uh, but apparently he's related to the woman who wrote Dirty Dancing. So we will hear about that, and maybe he'll break out a little Alan Shemper if we're lucky. There's going to be nosh, there'll be drinks, and part of the proceeds will go towards relief efforts for Puerto Rico. So more guests will be announced soon via our Twitter feed at KibitzPod, so keep an eye out. And tickets are available at our website, kibitzpod.com. So speaking of the Catskills, before we get to our guest, it's time for a little listener mail from our last episode, The Catskills, A Brief History. This Catskills memory comes from Jessica Zirkel Rubin. Jessica writes, Just enjoyed your episode about the Catskills. My reform suburban Pennsylvania family inexplicably visited the Raleigh Hotel in the mid-1980s. It was wintertime, so I remember all sorts of seasonal activities. Tobogganing, ice skating, indoor bowling, and a stand-up comedian whose routine centered around fartsicles. Perhaps he learned a little from Alan Shemper. Despite all this defiantly Christmas-free merriment, the highlight of my stay was the on-site aerobics instructor, High Voltage. She was both a militant, shiksa-looking proto-Susan Powder and a warm, magnetic spirit resplendent in high-gloss, hot pink spandex. High Voltage embodied the Jamie Lee Curtis perfect slash Olivia Newton-John physical glamour of the era, and apparently not just in her fish-out-of-water Catskills surroundings. A quick Google search reveals that she went on to work with everyone from Bette Midler to Kelsey Grammer and continues to feel the burn today as the inventor of the sugar-savvy solution. Thanks for prompting me to remember High Voltage. I'm so inspired that I'm off to find my leg warmers. Signed, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. And listeners, be sure to Google High Voltage Catskills to check uh, to check out High Voltage. She is incredible. And now on to this special episode. The writer A.J. Jacobs is kind of like my long-lost cousin who leads a somewhat parallel life, only his is exponentially more successful. He's written several best-selling first-person immersive journalism books you've probably heard of, like The Know-It-All, in which he documents reading the entire Encyclopedia Britannica, and The Year of Living Biblically, where he spent a year following every single rule in the Bible as literally as possible. Me, I wrote one book about my three years on the cutthroat competitive air guitar circuit and discovered that the audience for a book about competitive air guitar was, ironically, not there. 
So when I said AJ was my long lost cousin, I wasn't kidding. AJ and I are related. I found out through AJ's latest book, which is titled It's All Relative. In it, he sets out to prove how everyone is related. We're one big, not always so happy family, a giant mishbucha. And maybe if we were all more aware of just how we are related, perhaps we'd be a little nicer to one another. The book is brilliant, fascinating, insightful, and genuinely hilarious. So my co-host, Jessica Chaffin, and I were thrilled to speak with AJ last week, just before his book came out. I was recording from London, and Jessica and AJ were on via Skype. So sit down with your grandfather's mother's wife's second cousin twice removed and enjoy this episode of The Kibitz. Um, so yeah, I want to, you know, obviously we want to talk about your book, which is out. When is the book out actually officially? Like next week? Next week. All right. November so 7th. November 7th. Yeah. Officially out November 7th. Thank um, you, Jessica. So yeah, uh, I just finished it today and it's fantastic. What what was the genesis exactly of, uh, if you will, of, of doing sure. this book and, and where'd you get the idea to host the world's largest family reunion? Uh, well, it came about because about four, three years ago, I got an email out of the blue from this guy and he said, you don't know me, but I'm your eighth cousin. And of course, I figured, as most people would, that he was going to ask me to wire $10,000 to his Nigerian bank. Right. But it turned out he was. But in this case, it was Bank Hapolim. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Mishpuka. Bank Mishpuka. Uh, And he was, uh, yeah, he's part of this group that is passionate about building a family tree of everyone on earth. And I became hooked. Uh, because genealogy has a bit of a stodgy reputation, you know, it's, it's not not the hippest uh, uh, activity out there. But with uh, with this book, I hope to show it's actually incredibly relevant and kind of exciting. And we're in the middle of this revolution and DNA and crazy big family trees, and it's having these big impacts on everything like politics, health, race relations, uh, Judaism. So the whole, uh, the whole Megillah has my Megillah. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, it is, it's also just incredibly addictive. I mean, I, of course, I think anybody's reaction to reading, you know, the minute they start reading your book, they start going on genie.com and looking up their, you know, uh, who the you know how, what's their path to Obama and which is what exactly. I, of course I did in my I, and uh, so in, Dan, in Dan's case he wanted to find out his path to you and what did you find out Dan well I found out your AJ Jacobs is my great aunt's sister's husband's brother's wife's sister's husband's uncle's wife's brother's wife's second great nephew so. Oh, I feel so much closer <laughs> than that to you though I know that is hilarious. <laughs> That's good because I actually tried, and there were seven Dan Cranes, and I didn't know which one was uh, which. And well, also only- a few uh, Jessicas as well. And you know what? This was exciting for me. I found two Rona Glickmans and 13 Beverly Gil- Ginsburgs. That you're related to? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm you probably are not too. related to either of them. I'll no, have to, you I'll are. Have to- I'm sure you are. Oh, I am. Well, that's the beauty of the world family tree is you can figure out how you're related to everyone. And also 
uh, Ashkenazi Jews are, I mean, that's another level. We're all basically on average seventh or eighth cousins, uh, so which means we share like a, a ninth great grandfather or some. Yeah, this guy. book sent a chill down my spine because my grand my grandparents, and this is why I haven't done exactly the thing that you're talking about. It's because my grandparents, I believe, were first cousins, mm. but this there you I've go. tried I've tried to relegate that to a place of myth. Uh, but you're making that very hard for me, AJ. No, and, no. And, yes. and also explaining quite a bit about how much mental illness <laughs> runs through my family. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that brings up a couple of, I mean, first of all, yeah, we love our endogamy. That's the polite word for inbreeding the Jews. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that was my, a new word that I learned about. Yeah, yourself, there you go. Actually, yeah, yeah. Be proud. I mean, I have them in my family tree, and I do have a chapter where I talk to like the head of the first cousin marriage association in America, who defends first cousin marriage. So maybe be proud instead of uh, it's time to come out of the closet, Jessica. I'm not the one who married my first cousin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not her. Pro- there but, was still some. There was still a, a mutt mix that took place after that, but you know, it's not, it's not the thing I'm most proud of. Yeah. But um, you say, but I was also, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dan. No, go ahead. No, I was also interested to see the word of use of the word yichis because I had just been to the Yiddish book center last weekend and was informed that I have great yichis and I was very uh, proud which, of, which, which means, means heritage. yeah, it means you're a, it means and you're what a is your, classy what is Jew. Your, which I don't really approve. Of. It's a pretty undemocratic way to uh, to look at the world. But I, I, we all have wonderful yikes and all have terrible yikes as well. Well, uh, yeah, it's, I sort of loved that bit that you said about uh, we always, you know, we all attach to the one that's famous, but no one ever talks about being related to, you know, the guy right, who we, had to work at the back of the pharmacy stocking shelves. It's like he's in there too. <laughs> And there that was my more. grandfather. The, I think. the right. great bottle cleaners of Lithuania. No one ever talks about, <laughs> about that. Well, Nan, who is your yichis? Uh, my yichis is by marriage, so I don't think it counts. Um, I think I it am, uh, We're all one I big family. My cousin was married to Chaim Grada, who is the um, not Isaac Pasheva singer. He was the guy oh. that fam- that he's the sort of people think he's the the great undiscovered or or uncelebrated Yiddish writer. So whenever you get around Yiddish scholars, they're like, oh, I'm Grata, I'm Grata. And all all I can say is, all I can say is I'm related to the woman who wouldn't allow him to publish his work. <laughs> so really? nice. speaking again to uh endo- what is the word? Endog endogamy. Yeah, endogamy. Yeah. Endogamy. 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 Nice yes. That's her personal her personal burden. But uh, when yeah. you said also, I mean in the book you say that which this kind of shocked me that 80% of all marriages in in history, throughout history, were first or second cousins. So it's actually, it's fairly normal for the whole cousin thing, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a Rutgers anthropologist's estimate. And it's because we, you know, most of history was hunter-gatherer tribes and you just married who was nearby, whoever you could, uh, whoever was in, within arm's reach. And I, uh, I, I actually did marry... We took a DNA test, and my wife and I turns out are cousins. So yeah, poor Julie. Not, 
Poor Julie. She, <laughs> I was excited. I thought, like, this will add some spice, like the forbidden fruit. She was not so into it. But she was, I, I, weirdly, she was watching Game of Thrones when I told her, which I didn't realize until reading it later. It's like, oh, yeah, that's that makes sense. Right. So she, she felt like a real Targaryen as a result of all of that. She exactly. felt like it was all yeah. like you were consolidating the power of the Jacobs clan. <laughs> exactly. What was the sort of worst? What were the big surprises for you doing the book I'm curious like what were the sort of worst things it's speaking to this idea which I think is really interesting of we all want to know if we're related to Obama but nobody wants to know if they're related to Obama's brother in Kenya who, <laughs> who, who, who came to Trump's rally you know it's right. like well you're related to him too just just so you know um, I'm curious like what were the lows and what were the highs that you found on your own journey well, well, sure. As you say, since since this family tree has millions of people on it, you're related to the Einsteins and Lincolns, but also Jeffrey Dahmer. I found out I'm related mm. to him, although that is through my wife's side. I want. By the way, a great artist. Perhaps oh, not the perhaps not the chosen. You know, not the profession you would have chosen for him, but right. a success. I, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I've no. I guess those paintings do go to some demented people. They pay some <laughs> money for them. So, uh, but yeah, that was uh, unfortunate. I mean, one thing I don't think this is terrible. I just found it interesting is how um, we are all part Neanderthal. So people talk about racial purity and uh, and uh, you know the 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 alt right, but the funny part is not only is not racial purity a myth, but species purity is a myth because the Neanderthal were a different species. It's basically like dogs and foxes having sex and having a uh, an offspring. So fifty thousand years ago, your I'd say like five thousandth great grandpa had sex with a Neanderthal woman and uh, and where the result. She must have smelled great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they <laughs> well, both yeah, smelled great. I, I was hoping uh, that it was sort of like a Romeo and Juliet situation, like the Neanderthal family disapproved and but I have a feeling after talking to some anthropologists it was not so pleasant. It was not necessarily a uh, there was not consent involved. Mm. Yeah, I would imagine. Well, there probably wasn't a lot of consent back then in general. Yes, <laughs> that's true. They that's were true. not I will, very, yeah. I will double down on the idea that she smelled great in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> After all you've learned about the DNA testing, I mean, is there is there a downside to it? I mean, I, I just did my daughter. I just had a daughter. Uh, born, she was just born about twelve weeks ago. So she's twelve weeks old, and mm. um, thank you very much. And we got her DNA test. We did the My Heritage thing and found out oh, she's did. yeah. So she's fifty three percent Ashkenazi because I didn't, I haven't Ooh. done mine. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Why fifty? Does that so? Does that mean that? And my what's Jess? Rest, well, Jess, the other yeah, the other the other forty seven is like some Balkans, some Europeans, some Irish and Welsh. Um, mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was interested. I am 97% Ashkenazi and 2.5% Arab. So I was excited that sort of the Middle East conflict is within my body. <laughs> you're solving you're solving the Middle East conflict. Right. Yeah. But um yeah, there are huge signs. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, does that mean that she has more of Dan's DNA or does that mean that Dan's wife has some of some Jewish DNA? Um, that is, a, oh, so your wife is not Jewish. She's not Jewish so, at all. 
Gotcha. Yeah, she might have. I think it could just be that, she, uh, first of all, these tests, there's an error, uh, a margin of error. So it could be that she's 47% Ashkenazi. Mm. But uh, so it's all at this point. It's uh, it's still being worked on. It's sort of half science, half art. Uh, but I would say there are huge upsides and also huge downsides. So, yeah, I mean, uh, a friend of mine said that she said, uh, I loved her quote. She said, is, getting a DNA test is the most ridiculous, stupidest thing you could do. And she's done three of them, right. which is the way I feel like I maybe it's not a good idea because eventually for your privacy, these these DNA, some hacker is going to be able to hack and figure out what your what your genetics are and what your kids' genetics are. Maybe it won't matter. Maybe no one will care because there'll be so seven billion people. But um, maybe they will. Uh, so that's a downside. On the upside, there are tremendous upsides. I mean, just in terms of knowing your health and and to me, one of the big. Uh, ideas in the book is to try to break down tribalism. This idea, you know, community is great. Having a Jewish community is great, but don't wall ourselves off from it because we are all a mixture. And there are some fascinating studies, a Harvard study that showed when Palestinians and Jews were showed how closely they related they were through DNA, they were much more likely to negotiate and to be kinder to each other um, than this control group, which was not told they were related. So there's a chance that it'll it'll have a huge impact and, and make people kinder or at least less awful. Uh, that's, uh, I think, a more realistic goal. Yeah, I thought that was really fascinating, that uh, that experiment. I mean, and, uh, and do you feel like, so there, there's kind of a great, uh, ticking clock uh, narrative going on within the book, which is you trying to organize this this huge event, which I, I really loved how, <laughs> how you kind of told about that and, and sort of all of the nightmares that it, that entailed. Um, right. And, and so, I mean, do you... F- and you were warned. Yeah. You were That's warned. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> true. I brought it on myself. So, I... I yeah. But I your cousin no in Israel told you... Yes. This isn't as easy as you think it is. I know. He's wise. He's a wise man. Yeah. And so do you feel like, I mean, and part of the goal was this sort of, you know, uh, kind of broad goal of of fostering world peace because we're going to break down tribalism. I mean, which which you obviously did. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we've, uh, we're pretty much uh, there. We have no more violence. (laughs) Look around. But I mean, you know, obviously, like on the on the small level, do you feel like it, um, you know, achieved at least? You didn't. Well, I don't want to spoil whether or not you break the record, but um, but uh, do you feel like you? Yeah, honestly, like, people like I met mean, each I other have, and strangers got together, and it, I am. I mean, I this was the idea was uh, to have a world family reunion where thousands of. People from all different backgrounds came, would come together, and and I did it. Uh, and there was forty simultaneous ones around the world. And yeah, definitely in some ways, is it was a success. Some ways, it was a terrible failure. So the successful was, I mean, it was nice to see this random group of people. Like, uh, you know, there was a rabbi and uh, a Buddhist monk, an atheist, a minister, and and Mary Lou Henner. It was like a joke. It was like <laughs> I, I all walk into a bar. She'll, so she'll show up to anything. Yeah. 
<laughs> I hope not. We had trouble buying getting her. But then um, she looks great. I'm, did she tell there, you what she was doing on the day you were born? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was her speech. Is all about. Yeah. She's known for having the greatest memory of anyone ever. Yeah. So she, um, she. She's like a farmer's almanac. She can tell you. What the weather was like on the day you were born, what day of the week it was, everything. Exactly. So yeah. I actually didn't ask what she was doing, but I'd like to know. Mm-hmm. Um, Book but two. Yeah. Book two, there you go. Yeah. So she did. Everyone gave talks, and she gave a talk about how to form family memories. Uh, oh, love, lovely. Yeah, it was lovely. Ironically, I can't remember what she said, but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it was very nice. And then... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I am not a hugger generally. I'm just I'm too repressed uh, to to do physical affection. But there was a lot of spontaneous hugging going on, and I think that that made me feel good from afar. That that it, it, the message sort of it was a self-selecting group. People who came bought into the message already that we are all one big family. And uh, but it was nice to see it play out. It really it it was nice to hear people say that it was a meaningful event because for me it was absolutely horrible because I was stressed <laughs> the whole time about every little thing about that the drone camera was going to crash into someone's head and you know I was going to get sued and ruin my my kids future so uh, for me it was terrible but for other people they had a good time that's great that's every well, party yeah that is every party and it's uh, yeah. again <laughs> which means it was a huge success right except for the there. host the more miserable the host is maybe. the host yeah. the better the party yeah maybe there's an interesting section that, that talks about how how the Mormons are really into genealogy and and but it also seems like I don't know the, the, and they have a very kind of specific biblical reason for doing that right Right. They have a theology. I mean, they are the superstars of genealogy. They have uh, unreal amounts of data. They add more data to their... to their files than is contained in the Library of Congress every year. So, like, that's how much data they're adding because they have thousands of volunteers who go out and collect data. And they are, you know, they have huge amounts of Jewish data. Um, On the upside, they share that data. So, like, it's helped us build this world family tree that connects millions of people. They had some controversy a few years ago because it turns out that they are – it's a little complicated, but but to oversimplify it, they they are baptizing uh, dead people into the Mormon faith, and uh, including Jewish people, and uh, many people got very upset about that. Personally, it doesn't offend me that much because my thinking is in the 0.01 percent chance that they're right, that that there is a Mormon God, and that they are correct. Like, thank you. Thank you for saving, you know. <laughs> you think that's a 0.01% chance? I'm going to go yeah. lower. <laughs> and then 99.99% I, I chance. I bet they'd take those like, odds. Yeah. yeah, I would take those uh, The only way it matters to go back to Game of Thrones is if we all come back as White Walkers. Ah, that's true. That's see, true. I haven't even watched that far. <laughs> if they're able to make us come back as an army of the dead and we're fighting mm-hmm. on their team, not cool. <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. Not cool. Yeah. Mostly it's just kind of rude. Yeah. It's like, hmm. Uh, I'd rather if you didn't talk about my dead people. Right. Yeah. Well, from like, their point of view, they're, it, be, they're being they, very polite. Yeah, they're doing them a favor. Yeah. 
they're doing you a favor. Yes, uh, but it's I a mean, bit I'm, like I'm, mowing someone's lawn for them without being asked. Mm, we like it the way we enough. like it the way it is. <laughs> right. Well, that's a, yeah. Well, for me, the the lawn doesn't exist. So, in that sense, you know, they're mowing an imaginary lawn, and if that's what they want to do with their time, then you know, go ahead. I'd rather play Settlers of Catan. But if that's yes, unless the unless the lawn is actually just the dead people, not (laughs) you're not really talking about religion as much as you're talking about like, don't bother these people. They're like, yes, they're gone, but they're not your mem. There are memories. They're not yours to co-opt on the other hand right if that's how they want to spend their time congratulations well see that's to me since i i don't believe in immort i believe in the old jewish sense of immortality of that we live on through our family and memories but i don't believe there's anything beyond that so for me you know i always tell my kids like if, when i die just don't spend any money on a, a funeral, like, um, you know, bury, do whatever you want, like toss me in, the, uh, you know, in an Ikea uh, cabinet and just, and I don't care what happens to my body because I don't think there's anything there. And, um, uh, yeah. But so, they're actually baptizing their souls, aren't they? Well, if you believe in souls, which I don't. Right, right. So, I also, uh, I can't think of anything more depressing than having to put together my father's Ikea uh, coffin with, <laughs> <laughs> with one of those little monkey wrench things. I think yeah, that, that is really like cool. Curse. I think yeah. anything but Ikea. Like a, a family uh, activity, you know how activities bring people together. That's true. It could be, like, you know, it could be part of the, shi- the new <laughs> Shiva ritual. The Swedish, maybe it's yeah. like a Swedish Shiva. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, I mean... So, did you anything? Did what do you feel like you learned about Jews in particular, aside from the endogamy um, statistics? I mean, other interesting Jew Jewy bits that you learned in in doing all of this research. Well, I and are, did. And uh, are Jews uh, particularly interested in gene- genealogy? There is a higher yes, which is which is interesting because you also we have a lot of brick walls because of the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, and are a lot of the records just gone or yeah, I mean, people always talk about the gone. Nazis keeping great records, but all these little shtetls and villages disappeared. And I imagine the records with them. Yeah. A lot of them were wiped out. Um, and yet there are still a lot out there. Uh, and, and the resources for Jewish people to find out about their family are astounding. These websites are unbelievable with the details they have of, you know, where the addresses and the farms and the, uh, so, so that is the good side. And also if you have a rabbi, in the family that helps they they kept better records for the rabbis for better or worse but i also you know it was like reading about uh fiddler on the roof it was like every uh, it, it, sort of the the legend of these jews immigrating it was astounding to me how much reality there was in that just reading about my great great grandfather who hid in a under a stack of hay and how uh, they came to ellis island and my great great grandfather was an idiot he uh, he came over first and then he sent for his four, um, for his wife and and three kids, and he was supposed to meet them at Ellis Island, but he missed the train to Ellis Island because he was having a second bowl of soup. Uh, soup is important. <laughs> I suppose it better have been a very good soup. I yeah. hope the soup was delicious. Um, 
But that said, he was, you know, a bit of absent-minded. But the sacrifices, and maybe it sounds cliched, but the sacrifices that these people went through and just the horrors uh, that they had to undergo to give me, and I'm the recipient of their sacrifices. So it was a, it was a real lesson in gratitude and, and trying to drill that into my kids. And it's, I'd say like, you know, 2% of the message got to my kids, but they, they, they got something. That's pretty good. I'd love, I'd love to hear the story about Haim Solomon. Could you tell him a little, us a little bit about him? Yeah. Uh, what I remember since um, I, it's been a while, but yeah, Haim Solomon was, he's basically an unsung hero of the American Revolution, or, or partially sung, but not enough. He was a, a Jewish man, and he was, lent money to the, uh, to the Patriots, to the Revolutionary Army, and without his money, we would not have been able to defeat the British, and he died broke because he never got paid back. So uh, he's a great he's a great hero. I love him. Uh, great American. And uh, and I I oh go ahead. How did you find him? How did you Well, I find was him? One of the chapters is about the Daughters of the American Revolution, which is mm-hmm. this very, the, the almost prototypically stodgy uh, a group of people who descend directly from soldiers in the Civil War. And they are, they have a bit of a bad reputation because they're, they're very white and they banned a singer named Marian Anderson from singing in the 1930s because she was black. Um, but now... They're descended, they're descended from people who fought in the Revolutionary War, right? Right, exactly. Yes. So they're like... And, the, but they're not the, Mayflower people necessarily. They're revolutionary. Not necessarily. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of, of, a lot of uh, then in that diagram, but exactly. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that, but but they're an interesting organization because now they realize they got a bad they got to turn it around. So they're like going for diversity. They're like a liberal arts college. They are trying to recruit you know anyone who. Where uh, are Haim Solomon's nieces, uh, grand nieces, and nephews? Is the question? Exactly. I think they yeah. might be in there. I think they might be in there. I, yeah. I gave a I gave a talk at the Daughters of the American Revolution meeting, and and I talked about Heim. Uh, but it was interesting because the head of the New York chapter is an African-American woman, and she's trying to recruit you know, Latina women and uh, uh, Native American women, because her argument is it was the First World War, which I think is a, a catchy uh, idea. It was all of these nations involved. Pretty cool. Yeah. And cool. so, and I, and I also really liked um, what, I mean, you were talking about how you there, there's a lot of moments in the book where you you're sort of trying to teach your kids different lessons, um, you know, through your efforts and and I think you uh, I guess it was your aunt Carol said something about your grandfather um, and what he tried to pass on the the three things he wanted her to take away from Judaism, um, which I thought were it's like a, it was such a great summation to me of what the the best parts of Judaism. Do you remember what those were? I mean, I haven't written down, but I'm assuming you remember what they were. I do. I think I. Yeah, <laughs> this will be a good test for you. <laughs> Testing you on your own. Uh, but yeah, he was. Uh, he was a great man. But he. This happened because uh, he did not go to. It was, I guess, Yom Kippur, and he was not there. And uh, and she said, "Why not?" And he said, 
well, I believe you can pray to God anywhere you are, not just in a temple. And he said, there are only three things I want you to take away from your Judaism. Number one is love of family. Number two is love of learning. And number three is love of responsibility towards others. So, I love, you know, I love that. I think that is a beautiful summation. And uh, and again, as sort of a Jewish agnostic, Jewish atheist, that's what resonates with me. The, the community, the, the learning, uh, and uh, the, the ethics, not so much the belief in God. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. That's that to me. That was a yeah, a, a perfect summation as well. And I think the yeah, the book is fascinating. It's filled with just amazing trivia. And it's got a great story, and it's hilarious. And um, and uh, it's called "It's All Relative." And I suggest everybody check it out. Um, oh, thank you, are you Dan doing, and Jessica. Are, are you cousins. doing events or anything that we should know about? I am. Uh, I don't know when this is airing, but there's uh, there's a reading on November 9th in New York, and then I'm going around to. Uh, I am speaking at a couple of Jewish uh, Jewish events. I'll uh, I'll have a list on my website uh, in case anyone's interested. At AJJ, people can also attend uh, non-Jewish events. So. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's actually restricted. It's not recommended. Weirdly. <laughs> no, despite the fact that I believe we're all one big family, I only want to associate with Jews. <laughs> we'll cut that out. <laughs> yeah, we're, and we're helping. That's yeah. the joke. Yeah. Yeah. We also know it's not remotely true. Yeah. No, it, it can not. take about 43 minutes with only Jews, and then yeah. you need to mix it up. <laughs> then you go back to them, and you go back to them. <laughs> it's good to have them in the mix. That's yeah. what I think. All right. Well, thanks, AJ. This was great. And um, thank you, Dan and Jessica. It's so exciting to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. Thanks, AJ. Good yeah. luck with the book. Congrats on the book. Oh, thank you. Thank okay. you. You too. Okay. All right. Take care. Peace. Bye. Bye. All right, that is it for this episode of The Kibitz. Thanks to our guest, A.J. Jacobs. His book, It's All Relative, is available everywhere or via his website, ajjacobs.com. If you like the episode, please review us on iTunes for crying out loud. Send us a tweet at kibitzpod and tell your cousins, all of them. This episode was produced and edited by me, Dan Crane. Special thanks to my co-host, Jessica Chaffin, as well as Adam Sachs, Sarah DeLeo, David Jargowski, Francine Hermelin, and Reboot. Our music is courtesy of my band, Ray and Ramora, and our main theme is courtesy of Nu Non Plus. And as my great-grandmother used to say, That's the way it is in a small town with a large population. Thanks for listening to The Kibitz. The Kibitz.